So, how many of you know 2020 has been a little bit of a crazy year? I, you know, when I was, I was thinking back on this year, I was looking back at what was going on, and, and obviously it started in, in the beginning of the year, what was it, February, March area, we started hearing about this virus, and, and COVID-19 hit, and then all of a sudden, everything's getting locked down. And you know, in some ways, I remember thinking back to that and going, you know what, in some ways, people are finally seeing some things that are important. Because the problem is that my generation and younger, we've never actually had to deal with anything hard. We've not had to deal with anything that difficult or struggle or any of those kind of things. So the reason, uh, I think because of that, we find little things and make them big. You know, and one of the things that I, I thought was interesting, when this COVID first hit, people were really starting to see something big, something that was impacting the whole world. And all of a sudden, it seemed less important about what pronoun somebody was calling you when we had something that was threatening people's lives. So something that was actually, and that lasted for a little while. And then we had the riots. And then, the, the, then we had the economy collapsing. And we just seem to have more and more stuff going on. And all the petty stuff seemed to come back as well. Your racial tensions seem to shoot through the, through the roof this year. And I'm not saying they're the worst that they've ever been. I, I know that they're not. I mean, things are bad. But uh, truthfully, even as, we're, as bad as they are now, even though they may be worse than they were a few years ago, they're still not near as bad as they were, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. The truth is, is things are still better. But we do see things getting worse. We had a crazy election cycle that apparently doesn't seem to be over yet. The, this year has just been nasty. And one of the things that can happen when we look at times like this and stuff like that is we, we begin to let it impact us. You know, one of the things I had to stop doing was I had to stop watching uh, probably right after the election, uh, that election day, I stopped watching anything political. You wouldn't believe how much happier I was. <laughs> After I turned all that off, I stopped watching the political shows that I'd watch. And even though stuff's still crazy, and I know it is, I feel so much better because I'm not being drawn down by all that stuff. Because here's the problem. When you go through a year like this and you're surrounded by all of these things, it's really easy to become unhappy. It's really easy to become disheartened. It's really easy to just kind of get down in the dumps and wonder what's going to happen, how things are going to turn out. And that's why today I wanted to ask the question, did it steal your joy? And by it, I mean the year 2020. Did it steal your joy? Because that's something that can happen so easily. And the real reason is because some people, I don't think we know the difference between happiness and joy. Did you know that happiness and joy are different? You see, happiness is based on your circumstances. Joy, at least for the Christian, is rooted firmly in the truth and the hope of the gospel. See, that's, that's something that doesn't change depending on your circumstances. Things can get crazy around you, but you, you're still right with God if you have Jesus. You're still forgiven. You're still saved. You still have eternal security. But we have to be really careful that our circumstances don't try to rob us of that joy that we should have founded in Jesus Christ. And I do want to make it clear as we talk about this today, we're going to focus on joy, but there's nothing wrong with happiness. Happiness is good. I like to be happy. 
But happiness is always based on circumstances, right? You get a raise, you get happy. My wife brings me home an ice cream, I get happy. I get a call from my son. He says, hey, I'm going to Dutch Brothers. You want something? That makes me happy. <laughs> you know what? They're laughing because they, they stopped asking me if I want anything because I, I, I rarely say I do. I'm like, it's not the point. I like the fact that you asked me <laughs> even if I didn't want it. What if I did want it the one time you didn't ask me? But the thing is, the circumstances, you know, we, stimulus check showed up in my bank account the other day. That made me happy. Knowing the fact that our, our country's debt's going through the roof and we gave $700 billion to other countries, that doesn't make me happy. But temporarily, the money showed up in my account and and uh, going to use it to, to honor God to the best of my ability and pay off debt. So it's not really going to stimulate the economy. It's going to pay off my my. Uh, poor decisions to stimulate the economy when I didn't have the money. So, <laughs> but the thing about happiness is it's fleeting, right? So, many people saw this year, they, they, might got, they might got a raise last year and they were happy, but COVID hit, the economy crashes, and they got laid off. Now they're not happy anymore. For me personally, after lots of bowls of ice cream, and I put on 20 pounds, the happiness goes away. And that's the thing about it, is happiness is always based on your circumstances. And it changes depending on what's going on. And all kidding aside, there are times when we live through serious circumstances that don't make us happy. We find out that a loved one has got cancer. That doesn't make us happy. We find out that we're sick. You know, certainly the people that that did get COVID, you know, the, the, that's the thing about statistics is when you look at the numbers, COVID has a very, very small chance of making you seriously ill or sick. But if you're one of those people that got seriously ill and sick and on the verge of dying, you could, you could give a rat about the statistics, <laughs> you know, and you're not happy. You could be struggling financially. I mean, how many people right now are struggling financially because uh, we can't open restaurants, or at least they can't open as late as they used to. Um, we, we can't do the things we used to do. Our, our, our businesses are being really impacted by the rules that are in place to fight this virus. And it's really easy not to be happy about those things. And we've seen that it's really putting a strain on relationships. I've read some, some reports that show that uh, in, in high school students and grade school students, depression and suicide is at, at an extremely high uh, rate right now because their, their relationships have been, been hindered and destroyed because they can't go to school and be with other kids. There's been a severe increase in domestic violence calls because people are stuck at home. Relationships are getting impacted. and These things make us unhappy. But the thing is, is that joy isn't impacted by circumstances. One of the things that I remember a few years ago is that I went in, I used to give plasma quite a lot. And uh, I went in one time and my, my heart rate was a little high. And uh, uh, they, they won't let you give if your heart rate is over 100 beats per minute. And I don't know why I was high that morning. 
But for whatever reason, every time I went in there after that, I just had like performance anxiety or something, and my heart rate would shoot above. I could not get it down. So whatever the circumstances were, they were impacting my heart rate. But then not too long later, I had to go in, and, and for my work for our insurance, we have to do a health screening once a year, and it helps keep our, our rates down. And I went in to do that. This is in the same you know, few-week time period, and my blood pressure was, was back to normal. My heart rate was just like it was supposed to be. Everything was back to normal, and I recognized that, that my health hadn't changed, but circumstances were making parts of, of my body react differently. And that's the thing, that our, our circumstances can impact your happiness, but your joy should remain the same regardless of what's going on in your life. It's not dependent on our circumstances, but if we're not careful, we can let our circumstances and our happiness begin to creep in and impact our joy. We can let these things steal our joy away if we're not very careful. See, joy is true contentment and gladness. It's a result of an internal factors dependent on faith in Jesus. And that's something that can't change. It's, it's knowing that God loves you, and that's something that, that God can't, that it can't change. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding, and it's everlasting, and it's ours in Jesus, regardless of what's going on around us. That's why James says in James 1-2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of various kind i mean that doesn't seem like good advice to count it joy but he's not saying be happy about it but he says count it all joy because it's it's not the trials that are awesome it's not the trials that are joyful but it's the fact that god is still with you no matter what that you should be joyful in spite of the circumstances we should remain joyful amen let's go ahead and get started Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated, and is seated at the right hand of God. He said, Jesus went to the cross and despised the shame for the joy set before him. And when we read this stuff, we have to think about what was this joy that was set before Jesus? What was so important to Jesus that he was willing to despise the shame, to go through all that pain and suffering? And the reality was is that that joy was you and me. Jesus was willing to endure whatever it took on the cross because of you and me. You know, when we were talking about statistics earlier, you know, when we say that Jesus gave his life for the whole world, it doesn't have as much of an impact if you say, Jesus gave his life for me. Jesus gave his life for you. It's, it's much more personal and much more important when you think about it. It's for you. You were the joy that was set before Jesus. And he said, you know what? It's worth it. I'm willing to go for this. And he endured all the pain and suffering. And we know he wasn't happy, right? He was in the, the, in the garden and he's, 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 he's sweating blood. He says, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, but not my will, but your will be done. See, he wasn't happy. He was in great distress, but he still had joy. That joy was us. But it's clear he wasn't happy. There is a difference between happiness and joy. 
But knowing what he was going to accomplish for us, knowing that what he was going to do was going to ensure that we could spend eternity with him, in relationship with him, he was willing to endure any amount of circumstance, no matter how bad it would be. This is what he says in John 17, 13. He says, but know I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. What are the things that he was talking to? This, he says, these are the things I speak. Well, if you go back to verses 1 through 5, John 17, it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that, you know, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. You see, we were his joy, and now we receive his joy. His joy becomes ours. And that's what he was talking about here. Eternal life and eternity with him. The, the same thing that gave him joy is the same thing that he gives to us to give us joy. Don't you realize that no matter what's going on, no matter how bad it gets, they can't take that away from you. They can't take the love of God away from you. Even if they were to kill you tomorrow, it doesn't matter because you spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that, that we should be excited to die. The truth is, is that we all got work to do. That's why, that's why Paul was, was uh, struggling, had that internal struggle, because he's like, I would rather be with Jesus, but I know it's better that I stay to be with you. Now, we have stuff to do. You have a purpose in this life. You have something that God wants you to fulfill. But the truth is, is no matter what happens, they can't take that joy away from us. They can't take our eternal security away from us. And that should give you great joy, knowing no matter how bad it gets, you are still secure, you're still loved, you're still whole. We have his joy fulfilled in us. Jesus was glorified when he was risen from the grave. It was the, 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 the mark of, of um, approval from God when he was risen from the grave. And because he rose again, we rise again in newness of life, and we have eternal security. We've been saved and made brand new. And all the faults and failures that we ever had, for those of us who have put our trust in Jesus Christ, they are as far uh, from us as the east is from the west. We're made brand new, and that should give you great joy, regardless of what's going on. John 16, 20 through 22 says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. For a joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sor sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. So the question comes, if it, is that if Jesus uh, sends his joy to us, he gives us his joy, where, where does that come from? How do we realize that joy in our own life? You see, when, when the story is being told here, Jesus is talking to the disciples, they're about to have their world rocked. They're about to have it come 
come tumbling down. They've been following Jesus for three years. They loved him. And he's about to get killed. Circumstances are about to get ugly. And can you imagine being a disciple? You put your trust in Jesus. You're following him. You believe he's the Messiah. You still don't have a complete understanding of what that means, what it's going to look like. But you think he's going to be the savior of the Jewish people. Still got in the back of your head, even though he's been trying to teach you differently, but you still got in the back of your head that, that he's going to be this great military uh, uh, savior. He's going to be this great king that's going to, going to save them from the Roman oppression. But instead he gets killed. The world is completely destroyed. And Jesus says, you know what? You're going to be sorrowful for a little while, but your sorrow will turn into joy. I mean, we know this is true because we have the benefit of hindsight. We can read the, the beginning and the end of the story. We know what happens, but, but their world was shaken. I mean, Peter was so messed up, he even denies Jesus three different times because he's so shaken. His circumstances have rocked him so much that it actually began to creep into his joy. Thomas refused to believe that Jesus could even come back. Jesus had to show up and say, look, here, stick your hand in, in, in the in nail holes and in my side and believe. They were scattered and they were heartbroken. But Jesus says, you know what? You're going to be sorrowful but, and you're going to weep and you're going to lament, but the world is going to rejoice. You see, Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew that this was, this was the plan all along. and He knew they wouldn't understand it. He knew they were going to weep. They were going to lament. Their circumstances were going to make them unhappy. But the truth is, is that there would be joy in the world. There would be rejoicing. Their sorrow would turn to joy because of, of what Jesus was about to accomplish. Romans 8.22 says, For we know the whole creation has been growing together in the pains of childbirth until now. Even the, the, the earth is waiting for a complete restoration. They're waiting for the, the, for, the, for the joy. But things are changing. And this life that they're going through, stuff is finally changing, and they don't see it quite right. But the circumstances are changing. Things are changing. The earth is even going to be rejoicing for when Jesus returns so that it can be remade and returned to its former glory. And then Jesus tells the disciples that even your sorrow is going to be turned to joy. And he gives the example of the woman giving birth. Now, us guys don't really understand this completely, I don't think. But ladies understand that during childbirth, I guess it hurts a little bit, it's what I've heard. It's, it's, I guess it's uncomfortable. You know, I, that's what I heard. Um, Actually, if you're not on drugs, it's extreme pain that is felt during this time. I mean, so much so, it's a, it's a joke in all the movies, right? Because the girl's going through labor, she squeezes the guy's hand so he can feel a little bit of her pain. But when the baby is born, all that pain is forgotten. Now, I obviously don't have memories of the pain in my body, but I remember when Blake was born, there was a lot of pain and vomiting and distress. Turns out that vomiting makes great contractions. And that's how Blake came into this world. He was the side effect. He was the, the, the side effect of a, a, of a good heave. But you know what? As I'm watching this, I'm going through all of this. 
I, listen, I'm a sympathetic puker, guys, too. I just want you to know that. I held it in. I didn't throw up when I saw this going because as soon as he was born, it was all forgotten. I remember I was crying and I was looking at him and I, I remember thinking, I hope he's not ugly when he's born. I really, because here's the thing, if we're all honest, when babies are born, and it's not just you, son, all babies are born ugly. Like, it doesn't matter. They come out wrinkly and gray and... And it takes a few minutes for them to get some, 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 some color in their head to, to, to reshape. And babies are born ugly. That's all there is to it. I don't care what anybody says. But I remember thinking, man, I hope he's not ugly. And when he was born, I thought it was the most beautiful thing that I had ever seen. Because all that goes away. That's what he's talking about here. The pain the, the, the struggle, the hurt, all of that stuff, it doesn't matter. As soon as the baby's born, you forget about it all. All the sorrow, all the pain, it turns into joy immediately. And that's what he's talking about here. In an instant, it's gone. And see, when Jesus died, his death was necessary. And the pain that he went through, it was real. He felt it. He was... He was he was not looking forward to it. The pain his disciples felt, it was real. They were hurting. But the moment he came back, it was all forgotten, and they began to rejoice. As soon as they understood, they began to rejoice. One, they rejoiced because they saw an old friend who wasn't dead as they thought he was. But then they began to recognize what that means. They began to have a revelation of what the Messiah was actually there to accomplish and was supposed to do. They realized that they were brand new. They had been made righteous. They had been forgiven of all of their sins and failures and faults. And that they had been set free from the bondage of sin and death. And in a moment, all the sorrow, all the pain, all that stuff fell away and it was replaced with joy. And this joy is what I want to talk about today and remind every one of us today about is a joy that can't be taken away. We have that same joy. No matter how bad things get, this re reality remains that we are still in Jesus Christ. For those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that remains. Neither this world, the devil, the government, none of it, none of those can take this away from you. The only way is to give it up yourself. You can turn around, you can walk away, but it can't be taken from you. And that's why I want to ask, did this, did this steal your joy? Don't let things come in and try to steal your joy, try to steal your hope, try to steal your faith, try to make you give up. Because the thing is, is that it can't be taken away. Keep your trust in Him. But what happens is instead of focusing on this reality, we focus on the circumstances. We focus on our sorrows. And in essence, we let our sorrows and the enemy steal our joy because we're focusing on the wrong thing. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, then it can never be stolen away from you. And when I say stolen away from you, I'm not talking about losing your salvation. But what we can do is, is let these things impact how we experience our salvation. We can let these things impact how we let God work in our lives because we focus on the wrong things. 
How many of those sometimes it can be hard to see or feel joy? Galatians 5.22 says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, and faithfulness. Sometimes it's hard to feel these things. Sometimes it's hard to let these things live out in your life. Sometimes it might even seem impossible. But here's the thing, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence inside of you. The old man, the old person that you were is, is, is taken away. You're given a new spirit inside of you. Romans 8, 9 through 10 says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit, of li- is, the spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit of God comes to dwell inside of you. And, and when you get born again, it, it's, you're not just making an intellectual decision, but there's a supernatural miracle that takes place. The heart of stone is removed and a heart of flesh is put in. This isn't, this isn't an intellectual decision that says, I'm going to be good from now on. But a supernatural miracle actually takes place. And when he resides inside of you, there is a change that takes place. And as a result, his life in you produces the characteristics that are common to all believers. If you are born again and the Spirit resides in you, these are things that you should see in your life. Now, I recognize that there are some Christians who don't model this behavior. Truth be told, I have not modeled this behavior at every point in my life. And then there are some that are Christians just in word only, the cultural Christians. And there are some who are actually rebelling against the God inside of them. But when we let the Holy Spirit live in us and through us, this is the only outcome. He will produce fruit in our lives. And some people will say, Pastor Wayne, that's just not me. I'm just not a joyful person. I'm just not a peaceful person. I'm just not a patient person. Anybody ever have trouble with patience? I say, I'm just not a, a patient, I'm just not a joyful, it's just, it's, these kind of things just aren't in my nature, Pastor Wayne. But the thing is, is this might be true if it was left up to your nature. But when you were born again, you got a new nature put inside of you. The old man is dead and gone. That's why we do a baptism. It's a, it's a good old-fashioned funeral. Your old self is buried, and you rise again in newness of life. And that nature that you have inside of you is loving. It is joyful, it is patient, and it is kind. And if you're still having trouble today, make sure you're putting on that new self every day. Go back and read the book of Ephesians. Put on the new self every day. And then if you're still having trouble, ask for prayer. After every service, I always give an opportunity for people to come up and get prayed for. And I wish more people would take advantage of it. Because prayer is powerful. And it has an impact in our lives. You want to know how Paul prayed for his people? This is what he said, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. If you ever wonder how to pray for people, just read the Bible. Paul, just read the, 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 the New Testament, the letters that the apostles wrote. There's always prayers for, the, for their people in there. They're amazing. And you know you're praying in alignment with the Word of God because you're just reading the Word of God. Pray those out loud. It's not cheating. Matter of fact, it's the smart way to pray. 
But it says that he prays for God to fill him with joy and hope. And how do we get filled with that? He says, with all joy and peace in believing. In believing. It's amazing how much joy and peace are bestowed on us by just believing, trusting, and putting our faith in God. Putting our faith in Jesus. The reason why we get robbed of joy sometimes is because we begin to put our faith in other stuff. If your faith was in the government, this is a rough time for you right now. During the first big downfall, so many people had their faith in their 401k. And the economy collapsed. The housing market collapsed. And there were so many suicides because people felt like they had lost everything. When you put your faith in other stuff, and I'm dead serious, I don't just mean you know, the big things. You put your faith in another person. You put your faith in your spouse. Instead of in Jesus, you're going to be let down. You put your faith in the pastor. Instead of in Jesus, you're going to be let down. But you put your faith in Jesus. You'll never be let down. You'll have that hope and that joy and that security. And the truth is, is that when we have hope in Jesus Christ, when we have our faith in Jesus Christ, it changes how we view the world and how we see things. I still think back, my father died several years ago um, from pancreatic cancer. He was in his, his 50s, I believe, when he died. And, and uh, it still amazes me this day how different my sister and I handled it. Now, how many know we, we both were unhappy? We both dealt with the same circumstance. We were, we were heartbroken and we were hurt. And our dad was taken away at such a young age. And, you know, those kind of things hurt. But the reality is, is that uh, when I first found out he had cancer, the first thing I asked him is I made sure he was born again. And he said he was. He had accepted Jesus Christ. And that changed everything for me because I knew I'd get to see him again someday. I had hope. Now, it doesn't mean that I wasn't hurting. But I had hope that I would see him again one day. But my sister, her walk with God has been tenuous at best. And instead of, of having hope, she just found anger. And she was mad at God for not saving my dad, for not healing him, for all the reasons people get mad at God. But it was so different in how we handled it because my trust was in Jesus and I knew I would see him again. But she didn't have any trust, any hope. And she was only heartbroken and sad and angry. You see, joy doesn't get produced as a result of our circumstances. I wasn't joyful because my dad was dying. I was joyful in spite of my dad dying. Because I knew I would get to see him again. I had hope. I had something to look forward to. Happiness is always the result of external factors and is always fleeting, but joy is the result of internal factors. It's the, the result of truth. And it can't be changed. As long as you remain in the faith, it can't be stolen away from you. And for those of you who might think that maybe I'm overselling joy a little bit, the importance of joy, let's read Nehemiah 8.10. It says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink sweet wine, send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day, is as holy to the Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Matter of fact, the joy of the Lord is actually what makes us strong and helps us to deal with these circumstances, to get through these circumstances. 
Joy dictates our outlook on life. It influences how we handle every single decision that we make. If your heart is filled with joy, if your focus is on Jesus Christ, then you'll notice that the bad things just don't impact you the way that they would have otherwise. If you lose your job, you don't lose heart. If you are told you have cancer, you don't lose heart. If you are lose a loved one, you don't lose heart. Because you have joy that you'll, uh, knowing that you'll see them again. We don't give in to despair, but we have hope. Did you guys ever heard the expression, laughter's the best medicine? Did you know they've done studies that this is like, this is a real thing? Like this is actually impacts your health and your life? There was a study conducted, uh, I'm not sure when it was, but it was conducted by the University of Maryland in, in Baltimore by a Dr. Mike Miller. And they interviewed 150 patients who had suffered heart troubles and 150 who had not suffered any heart troubles. And they were each asked questions to measure their response to typical day-to-day situations. And the results showed that individuals with heart problems were 40% less likely to respond with laughter to day-to-day situations. You see, that's the thing about joy. Joy allows you to laugh. Joy actually allows you to be happy in spite of your circumstances. The reality is, is that we're all going to face storms. And who knows if 2021 is going to be any better than last year. But it doesn't matter because my, my hope is not in 2020 or 2021. My hope is in Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's not going to change. And with the joy of the Lord inside of me, I am better equipped to handle any situation that might be thrown my way. It means we can remain standing instead of getting knocked down. And we were talking about James 1, 2 through 4 a little while ago. Discount it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various kinds of trial. We meet trials of various kinds. Has anybody ever read that the first time? I went, man, that sounds like dumb advice. <laughs> Discount it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing how many wants to be perfect complete and lacking in nothing how many know that starts with trials that's interesting it says count it all joy makes me wonder first time i read this if james had ever encountered a trial in his life I thought maybe he had just read about trials, never actually encountered one, because it's hard to count trials as joy. See, that's the thing about, I understand when, 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 when I preach this stuff, most of the time, it's a lot easier said than done. You know, it's really easy to get sideswiped by craziness in your life than to just choose to trust in the Lord regardless of it. And that's the thing, is he says, Count, all, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet these trials, but by definition, trials aren't joyful. That's the whole point of a trial, because they're difficult. But we do have a choice in how we evaluate them, because trials are a funny thing. We all go through different kinds of trials. Did you know that there's some trials we go through that are just because you're, you're, you're a human, just because we're people. We live in a, in a fallen world. Sickness, accidents, disappointments, all these to various degrees, we go through them because we're alive. 
and we live in a fallen world. Sometimes you're going to deal with trials because you're a Christian. Persecution, spiritual warfare. The enemy is always going to push back against you if you're moving forward. You know, when you're starting to, to, to really come to grips with the joy that you have in Christ, don't be surprised if things start getting worse around you because the enemy doesn't want you to feel joy. The enemy doesn't want you to keep your eyes on Christ. Now, I 100% know that God doesn't send calamity in your life. God is not giving people cancer to teach them a lesson. God is not causing you to lose your job so you'll put your trust in Him. Now, He'll use those situations to work in your life, but I don't believe that God is causing those situation but he can use them to strengthen you one of the stories that i love to tell because we live so close to it and it, it it's so so poignant to me is the story of 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 the the biosphere too up here in in oracle and when they first planted that everything was going great the trees were growing everything was doing good but they found out that that uh, one day they went out and the trees had gotten so big that they they collapsed and were breaking under their own weight and they started doing some research and they determined that the reason why this happened is because the biosphere is a big giant bubble. There's no wind in there. The trees had never experienced any opposition. They had never experienced any wind blowing against them, so they never were required to strengthen. And then eventually they got so big and they collapsed under their own weight. They say that if you want to build something with extremely hard wood, if you do it from the trees that grew on the side of cliffs, where they were buffeted by wind their entire, the wood is the, the strongest and the hardest by those trees because they're, they've had to deal with the stress. And our lives are kind of like that. When we deal with stress, the struggles, the hard times, God doesn't send those things, but he does use them to strengthen us. And if you put your eyes on him and keep focused on the joy that, that he has given you, you have the strength because the joy of the Lord is our strength to get through these things and we get stronger. And it says that you meet trials of various kinds and we should consider it joy. Why? Because they test our faith. And by the testing of our faith, that's the wind blowing against us, we get stronger, produces steadfastness. That means that, that, that we remain steady in the midst of opposition. And then it says, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. When your faith is firmly in Jesus and you remain steadfast even under the most dire of circumstances, that's when you can experience the fullness of what God wants inside of you with your trust inside of him. That's what it says that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Why are you lacking in nothing? Because your hope is in him who is perfect and lacking and in nothing. And then there's also the trials that I think we probably deal with the most, the ones of our own doing. The trials of our own doing. You know, there's three things that I think cause problems in people's lives. We talked about the first one, that's just being alive. The second one is when the enemy comes against you. And the third one is just the dumb stuff we do to ourselves the bad decisions that we make. We complain about not having enough finances and we're asking God, why isn't he blessing us? But it's because we keep filling up the credit cards and buying stuff that we don't need, pouring stuff into, and we wonder what's going on. We complain about our health. God, why aren't you healing me? And it's because I eat 7,000 calories a day and don't exercise. Sometimes we just do dumb stuff to ourselves. But the reality is, is that 
He is with us no matter what. God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for this church. And being steadfast is standing our ground in the, the midst of all these situations, these circumstances. It means standing strong. This is the English Standard Version, but the New American Standard translates that as uh, produces endurance. That means that you can withstand what is coming your way. And we have to remember that these things aren't a test of our own physical abilities. It's not a test of our own strength. Because if we rely on those things, you get knocked over all the time. But if you put your trust in the Lord, then you will be faithful. This is a test of your faith, not of your own resolve. And then its full effect is turning us into people who put our faith in Jesus and only Him. And our faith grows. You know, one of the things that, one of, one of the things that I think is, is probably one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible is the one that says that if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to be cast into the sea. So many people think that it means that you can have faith the size of a mustard seed, but that's not what it says. It says like a mustard seed, not the size of a mustard seed. If you have a little itty bitty of faith, I think you're going to be shocked, or you shouldn't be shocked to find that you're not going to be able to tell a mountain to be cast into the sea. But it says like a mustard seed. So what is a mustard seed like? It starts as the tiniest thing, but if you water it, you nurture it, you grow it, it grows up into a massive plant. That's what has to happen in our lives. If you want to have the kind of faith that will allow you to cast a mountain into, a, uh, into the sea, you need to have your faith tested and grown through these trials have steadfastness, have endurance, and you, you start with a little bit of faith. And, and, and you know, before you believe God for, uh, uh, for being cured of cancer, maybe believe God to cure that headache that you have. Start there. Now, I'm not saying don't have faith for cancer even at the beginning, but start small too. Have faith like a mustard seed, faith that grows. And it's, as it grows, our ability to withstand whatever comes our way increases. And that's why we're supposed to consider it joy. Not for the trial, but because we're growing. Because our faith is increasing. And when our faith is strong and it's placed in the right direction, we lack nothing in our lives. And we can have confidence that no matter what we face, He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. You want to know one of the the greatest promises in the Bible that, that, that really speaks something to me. Romans 8, 38 through 39 says this, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, if we had all of this, but it could be stolen away, it would be good, but it would be scary that it could be stolen away. Could, we could be separated. What a promise that nothing in creation can separate us from the love of God. I don't know about you, church, but that's reason to rejoice, amen? So if you want to have your joy be strengthened, your faith be strengthened, the best way to do it is to spend time in God's word. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Your words were found and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. When you're feeling like you don't have any joy, even if you're feeling unhappy, the best place to start is in God's Word. In God's Word is how we find out how God really feels about us. In God's Word is where we find out actually who we are in Him. 
one of the, 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 the greatest things the young Christians, and really Christians that have been Christians for a long time, but they're just not very mature, is they never spend any time in His Word, and they actually don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know that they're forgiven. They don't know that they're victorious. They don't know that they're more than overcomers because they've never actually read it. But when we read His Word, we learn that we are free, that we're restored, we're redeemed, that we've been made whole, that we are strong, we're victorious, and that we're loved more than we could have ever imagined. And all of these things produce great joy inside of you. And they don't depend on circumstances or our actions. You know, you can, you can slip up and God still loves you. You can fail and still be an overcomer. You can fall and still be victorious. And it seems like they're mutually exclusive, but the thing is, is that all those things have nothing to do with us. They have everything to do with Jesus. We're not victorious because we've never failed. We're victorious because He didn't fail. Amen? None of these things depend on our circumstances or our actions, but they are fundamental truths for each and every one of us who is a Christian. And then we'll end in Psalm 16, 9-11. It says, Therefore my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shale, nor will you let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There are tons of things in our life that can make us happy but they're always temporary. That's the thing about sin. People get involved in sin because they think it makes them happy, but it's always temporary. But I think as Christians, we need to be diligent to make sure that our circumstances aren't actually what's directing our life. Because joy is not found in our circumstances. Joy is forever found in Jesus Christ. And the only place to experience that fullness of joy is to spend it in His presence. He says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. If you're struggling with joy in your life, ask yourself, where have I been spending my time? Ask yourself, in whose presence have I been? Because in His presence is the fullness of joy. It's the only place to find it. And church, as we begin this new year, as we've come through what has apparently been, at least as, as far as I can remember, definitely one of the, uh, the years that have caused me the most stress, that's caused me the most hurt and pain and confusion and all those things. Now, I don't know if there's been worse years in my life or not, but this is the one I remember impacting me the most. But I want to make a choice to be joyful in spite of it all. No matter what comes, I don't know if it's going to get better or if it's going to get worse. There's memes on, on Facebook that show uh, uh, 2020 is written by a two and then a toilet paper roll for the zero and a two and a toilet paper roll for the zero. And then they got 2021 under it and it's the two, the toilet paper roll for the zero, then a two, and then an empty toilet paper roll standing upright for the one. Maybe it's going to be bad again. <laughs> I don't know. But you know what? I can... I can Find joy and solace in the fact that Jesus is not going to change. And I want to encourage you, church. Don't become overwhelmed. Don't let the stuff going on steal your joy. Just keep your faith firmly in Him. And we're going to get through this. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and bow our heads.